Hey y'all. Hey. Hey. It's the Link Up. It's Raina, Jasmine, and Lauren. The Link Up podcast created for the melanated millennials maneuvering our way through life. Yes. Hey. It's such a great day today. Obviously. And it's we're a back. beautiful day, too. Back in New Orleans. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know how I feel about that. Oh. So, <laughs> we know how Lauren feels about that Actually, as well. I've had a great time, Jasmine. I'm not about to start with you this morning. Please don't. Honestly, it's early. <laughs> And I just I've don't no have coffee. the energy to go in that direction. But we know but what you, it is. But you started to go However, thank you guys for coming again. Of, of course. course. Of course. Honestly, you know, we've been to New Orleans before recording this podcast. If you are still not convinced to come to New Orleans, you need you. to come now. If Mardi Gras wasn't your thing, you know, last time we were at Mardi Gras, come during festival season. Yes. Oh, my gosh. If Mardi Gras is not for you, festival season is definitely for you. And yes. if festival season is not for you and Mardi Gras season is not for you, then I don't really... What is? For you. You're an okay? alien. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> See, that's what I'm. Ta- that's what I mean when I talk about them. Like they just went too far. I didn't have to say all that. <laughs> but I mean, what is for you if you don't like? Festivals? What if people just want to stay in the house? I mean, well, go okay. to Wyoming. Okay. <laughs> okay. And now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. It's time for our BBWA moment. Being black in white America. Jess, come on, sis. (laughs) And of course, it's sponsored by our ancestors. Yes, yes, yes. Now we can move along. (laughs) So I'll take the BBWA moment, y'all. We just had a couple conversations about liberal white people. So this kind of goes along with that. A different BBWA moment for you guys. So as many of you guys know, I work in a very diverse environment. I'm honestly blessed to be around uh, so many beautiful, successful minorities that are doing the damn thing and be around white people who are, you know, adamant about diversity inclusion. Um, I've worked for this environment and for almost three years, and I can only think of honestly like one time where I really, really had to correct a white person on their white privilege. (sighs) So let's get into the time when I, that was just some background for you guys. Okay. So now we I want to get it. into yes. the, yeah. the moment when I walked into my office with braids for the first time just a mm. couple of weeks ago. Mm. First off, I was already walking in on a like nerve wrecking tent because I don't know if y'all saw those memes talking about when you call out of work sick and the next day you walk into the workplace with braids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with your with a new yeah. hairdo. Look, I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny that I was sick. Because somebody from my job might be listening to this podcast. So I cannot cannot confirm or deny if I was really sick that day. However, I just wanted to give y'all some more background and let y'all know what the vibe was. I'm weak. (laughs) So I already walked in to work a little on edge. I get to my office. I sit down and it begins. The first white person. Oh my God. You look beautiful. (laughs) I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Second white person, Raina, you're a goddess. (laughs) (laughs) By lunchtime, every non-black person had walked into my office to comment and compliment me about my hair. Okay. And honestly, my hair was popping. Shout out to at Nola Beauty. Okay, if you're in New Orleans and you want some braids, Christina can hook you up. My braids was popping. However, my job, it 
my job is just like a little. They were like a little too progressive. Right, right. Okay, right. Like, they, they were going too far with it. It was. <laughs> It was so far that I felt like they thought that it was offensive or it was going to be deemed offensive not to compliment me about my braids. So all of them did before any black people did. Yeah. Or maybe a black person walked by and was like, oh, hey, girl, I see you. I like your braids and kept going. Every single non-melanated person walked into my office and had a five minute conversation with me about how beautiful <laughs> I looked. Okay. And, you know, I guess the diversity inclusion training is so fire in my office that whenever a black person changes their hair, you know, they have taught them not to ask them questions on how it got like that and instead to compliment <laughs> them and to go back to their office and Google that in their personal time. Yes. Wow. So, you know, shout out to That's my impressive. office for yeah. that diversity training. OK, in the yes. I like it. But y'all. Limit it to one or two compliments. <laughs> Can y'all decide collectively who's gonna do the who's gonna say the comment the compliments rather and do that? Yes. Because you know, I'm Sarah thinking Sarah let Ashley do it today. Exactly. You do it tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> because because there was like a point I really felt like they were like well, Sally saw and then Sally went to go tell Greg. And then Greg told Bob, and they're like, okay, we must go and compliment Raina or we're going to be racist. Right, 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 right. Back to back to back to but back. But isn't this in the wake of the new legislation that was passed in New York about being fined if there was some type of discrepancy about natural hair? Yes, and so I feel like they were in cahoots with each other. Definitely. You think they all thought they would personally be fined? I, I thought that, be, to me, so maybe if it was, that's what I'm saying, if they had limited to like one compliment <laughs> or two compliment, it would have been okay. Yeah. But because it was a five-minute conversation every single time, yeah. I feel like they were in cahoots together. Yeah, and they were, about it. they were like, we cannot get in trouble for racism, so I'm going to go take that extra step, which inadvertently made you racist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now I'm still uncomfortable. It's like now I'm uncomfortable. You can't win for losing. It's like I'm uncomfortable if I get the weird questions. But then also, if you're doing too much, can Mm -hmm. you just be natural and Mm -hmm. normal? Like Mm -hmm. now I'm still feeling like an alien, right? Because like now it's just like okay, something else to make me feel different. Like just say, or if you're gonna say something, I like your hair. Not wow, goddess. I was called a goddess about I don't know 15 times. So all this to say, you know, if you guys need some more pointers, my pointer to you would be limit the compliments to, you know, one or two because it gets suspicious after a while. <laughs> Super suspicious. After suspect. the fifth compliment, yes. it's kind of like, it gets right. suspicious. After the fifth five-minute compliment. All it gets right. suspicious and you go back to being racist. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. LOL. Now it's time for our topic of the day. They asked to see the boss, so they sent her. All right. With us on this beautiful day in New Orleans is Savitra Wilson. Hey. Hi. Hi. Welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Of course. Thank you so much for coming. Vidi, as I know her. Yes. But Vidi, as I know her, is the first black tech entrepreneur in New Orleans, female, to raise $2 million for her yes. startup. Wow. That's yes. so I dope. I mean, come on now. That's crazy. But well, no. if they haven't seen her on Instagram, I'm sure they've seen her in essence. Or recognized by the Barack Obama administration. Or the shade room. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's which the is the crazy a, thing is. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? You're in the shade room. Forget that I was essence. Forget that I was... <laughs> <laughs> but the 
the shade room. No, the shade room the solidified shade room. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's CNN. Literally. Literally. So I guess those people who don't have access to TV or uh, their telephone, they might not know who you are. <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi. They may not know. So for those people, this is what that introduction is for. Yes. So I, I raised some money, right, for my tech company. But a lot of people who actually know me kind of know me from my first company, Solid Ground Innovations. And so I'm the CEO and founder of a tech company now called Resilia. Uh, and essentially, we're a SaaS platform that's deploying technology to existing organizations and then those who deploy capital, such as cities, private foundations, and corporations. Um, and so that's what I spend most of my time doing today and what most people have followed me from, particularly from raising capital in the tech space. Uh, we've raised close to $3 million now. Um, and, you know, that's the journey of tech founders in general. Uh, but Black women, you know, the yeah. numbers are really yeah. dismal. And being the first here to raise um, over a million dollars in venture capital was one thing. But I'm only one of eight Black women, period, mm. to raise mm. at least $3 million, wow. which is like even, it's like, that's bad. Uh, the state of where black women are when it um, comes to accessing capital for their ventures. To me, it's so impressive. You're you're breaking into the tech world. In New York, I have a couple of friends that are in the tech industry, and I've been going to some of their diversity inclusion events. And at those spaces, they're saying how in this huge, growing industry that's creating millions and millions of dollars, the minority uh, that make up that industry are like 3% wow. or something very low like that. I might be quoting the number wrong, but I know it was oh, definitely yeah, under that sounds 10%. About right. yes. It was definitely under 10%. And they were like, no black people are in this industry. Mm. And it is so hard to be in this industry and look for mentors or people that look like you. Mm-hmm. If there are none. Yeah. So yeah. how did you break into this industry? You know, I just feel like entrepreneurship is as I always say, like a game of like resiliency and it's a game of being able to connect the dots really fast, right? If you really want to be like successful. Um, And so when I started my first company, we were doing professional consulting services. And so because of that, it didn't take a lot of money to like really get going. We began to uh, land contracts and build like contract by contract, begin hire person by person and just build the company very organically like that. And I always was interested in technology, although I'm not a technical founder, um, which is like another, you know, ex. Yeah, because you <laughs> didn't go to school it. for no. tech or anything. You don't have a background. No, like my background is in business. You know, yeah, I wow. have like the vision idea, but I'm really good at putting together teams. That's amazing. Um, and putting together resources and And that's how I entered tech. It was like through an idea, a concept. And I was like, I feel that I can like bring this thing to life and I can build a team to bring it to life. Um, And I feel like, you know, tech is going to disrupt if it hasn't already every single sector. And either you're going to be on the side of the disrupted or the disruptor. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be a disruptor in the space and felt like I had the right opportunity to do that. Wow. I'm I'm just blown away. Honestly, obviously the million dollar question is mm-hmm. literally <laughs> sis, how how did yeah. you raise the millions? Yeah. And so, you know, I haven't even talked about this and can't really talk about it because we can't solicit, but we're about to raise a lot more, right? Yes. Um, because it's all about getting to the next level and being able to scale fast in tech. Um, but for me, I had a lot of setbacks because I'm here in New Orleans. Right. Mm -hmm. And so most people consider like the Mecca 
of tech being Silicon Valley, San yeah. Francisco. Um, and then after that, you are looking at New York, which New York is still slow to the tech space too, but mm-hmm. it has a lot of resources and money. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, LA. And so no one looks at New Orleans and like, oh, you know, although there are people here building tech companies, there are no like really black women or really black founders who are building uh, tech companies at scale. Um, we're literally the only um, black founded tech company that is scaling with over a million dollars in venture capital in Louisiana, period, right now. Come on, Vidi. Wow. Which is crazy. That's amazing. Yes. Come on. It's amazing, but it's not, you right. know, because it could be like a very lonely space because you don't have yeah. anyone to talk to to see how they did it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, some people have the good old white boys club where yes. they're like, you go do, we're going to give you a little bit of the crumbs, yeah. but we're not going to really put you on game. Right. And so I had to go out and travel from the East Coast to the West Coast to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had our heads down building this company. And so I was like, oh, we have traction, you know, we have revenue, we built a good team. Of course, we'll be able to raise capital. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> no, no, you know, being a black woman, not being in one of those major cities, being from the South, like all these uh, barriers to entry. And for me, I had to take a step back and like regroup and move forward. And it was about being getting like really grounded in what it would take, right? The relationships, the connections, the um, defensible argument for yeah. our product um, was our market solid enough yeah. to be able to grow into this 100 million, 200 million, billion dollar company, all these key things you have to prove. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely difficult and hard, but there's a blueprint and then there's a black print, right? Yeah. Yeah. Always. For everything. Just follow the blueprint. Nah. <laughs> you know, you could follow that blueprint to a T, but when you add female and black on it, it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing that you have to figure yeah, out. So how do you bring people like us into this industry? Have you been making connections or have people been reaching out to you since you have become a face of black tech? Yes. Um, you know, I think I've just accepted that recently. Yeah. And people like, girl, oh, you are yeah. face. Yes. Uh-huh. So, Definitely accept it. Um, yeah. And so I get so many inbound emails and messages around um, not only how to raise money, but how to start a company, period, mm-hmm. right? And how to, like, grow a company even without um, venture backing. Um, and so I have tried to turn um, just some things on, like, relaunching my website where I hope to, like, really, like, push out information and not, like, hoard, hoard all the secrets. Like, sometimes I feel that even for us, we can get trapped into that syndrome, like, oh, only a few of us can be at the table, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so if more people get to the table, then it reduces the resources for me. It reduces like my look and my right. mm-hmm. uh, ability to be like the face of something. Um, and I think that, you know, that's BS for me. I'm like, look, this is how you do it. This is what they're going to tell you. This is who you need to meet. This is who you need to connect with. Yes. This person will waste your time. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And you so, got to put people up on game. Yeah. And I think like the faster, we just don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then we don't have the resources or connections or the network. And so when we think about like white men who are able to raise a friends and family round mm-hmm. of money, they usually do that really genuinely from their friends and their and family. And their family. 
Right. Yeah. And we don't have that luxury. <laughs> no. Right. And so they're able to take that money and then build a lot of traction for their company. And so they're positioned to go after venture capital. But we don't have like the stepping blocks to get to that point. And so oftentimes we're probably too early to go seek venture capital, but we don't have the resources in order to get to that next level. And so how do we like really peel back the layers of how to do that is something that I'm kind of like mission driven around. Um, in addition to trying to run my company on the day to day, but just if you're in it for like black people to win, yeah. it's just another thing that we have to carry. Right. And to your point, just to take a few steps back, a lot of our listeners will obviously know what venture capitalism is. Right. But then there are some who may not know what it means to be a venture capitalist mm-hmm. or to even tap into venture capital. Yes. Can you give us a little fundamental background about what is venture capital? Yeah. So venture capital is essentially these collective funds um, that you can find throughout the country and the world um, that have limited partners. So they have investors, right? So you have investors who invest significant amounts of money, uh, generally small, super small micro fund, maybe like $5 million to multi-billion dollar funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and in tech, you have managing partners that oversee that money and go out and do diligence on companies and find companies who they believe will be the next like major successful companies that are scalable. So we're talking about like, Uber, uh, MailChimp, um, you know, you look at around at some of the companies that we consume every day, Facebook, um, some like less known companies as well. But those who could essentially pull off a 10x multiple, right, Mm. or more, or 20x or 30x. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes um, founders will reach out to me, particularly black founders, and they're like, oh, I need to raise capital. But they don't, they haven't, they're not venture backable. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so being venture backable means that you have a product, um, you have a uh, solution that could rapidly scale your company uh, to a billion dollars. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. what VCs are looking for. Period. Uh, OK. OK. That makes wow. sense. Wow. Yeah. To kind of segue the topic just a little bit, because obviously you have a book like you're traveling, you're raising hella money. Um how are you able to balance like business and your personal life when it Mm -hmm. comes to like friendships, relationships, having time to actually have me time? Yeah. How how are you able to do that? I think I just, you know, people always say business isn't personal, but for me it's personal. Like Mm -hmm. you spend so much time and energy, sweat, tears and blood into building something is personal. Right. Um, And so I just like clash it all together. Do you? Right. It just, it falls one to the next, right? So I yeah. might be at a networking yeah. event, maybe meeting with an investor, and me catch my friends for happy hour. And so mm-hmm. I just like roll it all in. But I think that it's like also taking a step back and practicing like self-care mm-hmm. and like turning some of those things off, right? Because it can be like overwhelming a lot of times, particularly when you're always moving and traveling. Right. I think also on a personal note, what's very remarkable about your story is are you from a small town? Yes. So we have this small town yeah. mogul, right? Yeah, that I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> footprint no, across yeah. the country. Yeah, across like the you country. said, I mean, you're in New Orleans making footprints in Silicon Valley and New York and other countries of the like. Let's talk about how you were able to develop that type of platform and confidence coming from a small town. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I always talk about 
just having like self-confidence being like one of the number one traits that you need to be successful. And so there's an element of having self-confidence, like fake it till you make it, right? Self-confidence. Yeah, yeah we talked about and that. <laughs> there's the other element of self-confidence, meaning that you're so grounded in what you do that you could do it in your sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the type of self-confidence that people need to like really gravitate towards having self-confidence because like you've done this and you've practiced it and through repetition you're just like really good at it and so you believe not only do you believe in yourself but you can communicate that to someone else in a way that exudes confidence Mm -hmm. and so I think that that's something that I've always kind of had I think that everybody has like self-doubt and they can have like a reflection, but I've always come from like the game of you put your best face on when you get out there in the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you got to go back at home and like cry your eyes out later about something, you know, you show up and show out. Right. right? And so right. I just came from like that, um, that playing field. And I think like that has definitely tremendously helped me um, like break into tech, right? When I didn't come from the tech world and, uh, you know, being really understanding like networks, right? Understanding what are the resources I need in order to get to my next goal. I think a lot of times people can't connect the dots um, and they can't connect the dots fast enough to get to what ultimately they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I've just been really good at connecting dots. Yeah, I love that. I feel like you really do practice what you preach, valuing your network. Like anytime anyone is asking you to do something, you're always looking out for your own and always connecting where you can connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And I literally love that so much about you because like you said before sometimes people are like it's only me at the top Mm -hmm. and you've always been a person even at your first company to bring people together and that's so valuable it's about building community you know at the end of the day it's like it's no fun if you're at the top by yourself and so it's about like everybody being able to win because it's so much you know to go around. Yeah. It ain't fun if the homies can't. Exactly. <laughs> we all want to be on a yacht together. Okay? <laughs> right. Right. Nobody exactly. wants to be on a yacht by themselves. But that's how they do it. You yes. Know? Exactly. Is they're able to have the ability to call people in every single um, sector right. and get something done or recommend or connect people. Like, that's what it's about. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let's shift a little bit into, I guess, more, a little bit more personal, right? Mm-hmm. But now the real questions, right? Is it hard being a million dollar woman mm-hmm. and trying to date? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> like Are how? men intimidated by your success? Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. I think that. So you know, I think everybody has like their group uh, chat. And absolutely. So, right. Right. Like, going. Yes. Right. And of hey, my water. tribe, I'm like the single girl. You know, I yeah. really am. And so I was like. I was out and I was talking to someone. I was like, yeah, I'm out of D.C. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I met this guy, you know, really cool. I feel like we vibe. That was on Monday by Thursday. I said, girl, he ain't the one. No, no. It's going to be a no for me. It's going to be a no. It's a hard pass, you know. <laughs> um, and you have to make hard passes when you have so much going on because people will waste your time. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. So how are you sifting through them? Yeah. And so, like, I've always, going back to the... Uh, um, talking about like self, like I've never been the person that just had to like have someone, like yeah. have to be in a relationship. I, 
most of my relationships have came like very organically because mm-hmm. I just love my own company. Like, you yeah. know, she married to her company. I am. Married to her company. You know, I, I, I do. And so it's like just one of those those things that I feel like it's gonna come for me at the right time. You know, modern medicine. You know, if I gotta freeze some eggs, we gonna do that. Yes. We gonna, you know, yes. we gonna make, make it work. work. We gonna make it work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually having this conversation with my cousin. My cousin's very successful. She makes well over six figures, and we were talking about stereotypical gender roles. She's been married for at least six years now, and she's like, it's still like a balancing act Mm -hmm. because at one point I wasn't making more than him, now I'm making well over his salary. Yeah. And I don't want to split bills down the middle, and I don't want to do anything (laughs) proportionally. How How do we, like, maneuver through this, like, stereotypical gender roles world now? Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. Because, you know, you have, like, with guys, they have egos. Yes. And, yeah. And it's such, like, a balancing act. And, like, I always have this conversation um, with guys in general that I'm dating. That's, like, probably one of the first conversations that we have mm-hmm. just around, like, what you um, essentially not— I don't want to say the word, like the word like yield to like your man, all these other things, like all these like type of like terminologies around that, yeah. Um, which are like for me very dated and old school. But in many ways, I think that it goes back to something that people always say is like, oh, if I'm eating steak and lobster, then my man eating steak and lobster too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you're in a marriage or when you're in a relationship, it is a such a hurdle that you have to get to about this is like us, us, us. Mm-hmm. But you still have the egos. You still have, you know, me, if I get to like my goals, the likelihood that a man is going to make more than I make, it's just not yeah. likely. Yeah. Yeah. And I yep. think that most men come into dating me understanding that. And so yeah. they're just trying to understand what's my thought process around it. And yeah. am I going to use that as a... Um, of a way to control the situation dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. And so that's such a very early conversation. A that's lot of good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, once you reach the level that you are striving to, who's yeah. up there with you? Yeah. Like, so it has like, to be yeah, hard to date. Like it's, yeah. Do, do you have a problem with certain guys approaching you or like feeling um, like. I'll, it's always like a type, right? Mm-hmm, so generally yeah. like. More successful guys approach me in general, but I think where the awakening comes, it kind of goes back to what you say. Like, I really do live what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think some guys, some, you have people like on social media and doing other things, and a lot of it's smoking mirrors. Mm-hmm. And so when I get a relationship, people really start to understand me and like learn me and like see my movements like right. up mm-hmm. close and personal. They be like, oh, you for real, for real. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, you really oh, you thought. Oh, you don't just have you an Instagram really business. doing this. <laughs> Oh, this not just Instagram. And then, this in, in their head, they're like, dang, like, I think I motivate them. But in many ways, it can become like a competition or them mm, feeling like maybe yeah. they're not doing enough. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, right. and saying, you know, in their head, like, man, like, there's so much I have to learn. Right. You know? Do you have more guys from like all kinds of races now approaching yeah. you? Since in the tech industry, it's not super black. Yes. And so if you are at these yes. business meetings, I know people be trying to holler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, they sitting at the conference table. Okay. Like, <laughs> so they 
have to be back. different. <laughs> or like that awkwardness and when you think you're about to have like a networking type of like dinner or like, and it's like they're really trying to come at you. I, oh, and yes. it's like, um, I'm not here for this. Oh, because I'm so, <laughs> like one reason why I feel that I've gotten far is that I've been very conscious of mm-hmm. like not mixing like business and pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's like a very fine line that you're trying to walk because you're trying to meet people, right? right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are like in your space and doing what you're doing. But also, like people talk about women, but men are petty. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, okay. They're revengeful. Okay, gossipy. Gossipy. <laughs> like, they're all these things. Nobody things. gossips more than men. I don't Absolutely. care what anybody okay. says. But these things are more detrimental to women's careers then they are in like reverse, right? right? And so I've always been mindful of like ensuring that uh, or trying to ensure that that doesn't have like a negative outcome or something I'm trying to get done or like mm-hmm. business I'm trying to get to. Right. And so it's like, all right, but we can take care of this business first. We can sign these checks first. We can sign these contracts yeah. first. Okay. You know? Okay. Before. Exactly. Before, before I anything. consider it. Yeah. yeah. Before so it's I like consider even going to coffee with exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> so let, me get, let me get the pen. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you sign this check. Okay. Now what? Yeah. Now, now, now let's consider. Now right. I'll consider coffee. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are situations where you're probably, if you're connected with people in circles and you're probably doing business with each other and, you know, it's like, it's just like, like natural um, that that'll happen, but I I think it's very important to ensure that you're straight before yeah, yeah. you jump into the deep end and it spins you you in a whole other space now. You're talking about something else when you came and talking about business, right? You know, right? And so like women can get set up um, a lot of times for that, and so and- I think that you know, being grounded. It's just unfortunate though, because that's something nobody but really women and black women in general have to think about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You have to be like, okay, I don't want to be, I want to be nice, but I don't want to be too nice. Yeah. I want to be stern, but I don't want to be like, I don't want them to think I'm rude. It's like, you have so many different things that you have to balance in order to be accepted. Yes. That's crazy. It's true. Speaking of being grounded, Solid Grounds. Yes. <laughs> Your get the book. <laughs> get new the book. book. And we're going to get into the substance in a second. But before we get to that, what was the writing process like? You have yeah. so much already going on. How did you have time to carve out to write? How? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, people have been telling me, like, a book is the new business card, right? That's what my friends yeah. keep telling me in the digital space. Like, I come from the world where I didn't build my company, um through social media Mm -hmm. and I've been trying to think about how I can be more intentional about giving um, just like resources and I get so many like LinkedIn messages Instagram messages from people who are asking me all these questions yeah and so I was like how can I just like bring this together and um, put it into something and I didn't want to talk about raising capital because only less than one percent of people you know are going to be able to raise capital uh, and venture uh, money on top of that uh, for their business. And so I wanted to talk about like my first company, the one that I built when I didn't really know a lot about a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's how like Solid Ground came about. And I kind of just like carved out the time and just kind of, I knew I wanted to talk about some touch on like some really quick topics, whether that was like, what were some opportunities? Um, what were some opportunities that most people don't even like look for when really trying to get your a company off the ground and how you need to like just very much so stay lean as possible and not spend money where you don't need to spend money. Right. And so, yeah, part, just trying to like really part. answer a lot of people's questions that I receive. And so I think this is like one of more, a lot more things to come for sure. Oh, yeah. So we can expect another book from you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably much farther down the road a book, but definitely... 
I'll continue to re- release like free resources that accompany my book, right? Absolutely. And so I'll be releasing like downloadable, some of my original proposals, my capability statements, yes. all these things to accompany um, the book and the chapters in the book. She's doing it. She's doing it. Networking. She is connecting the dots, reaching out, helping you us. Yeah. Are the goat. Honestly, one of these, um, so there's so many gems in this book, but there is one quote that I really, really liked. And it is, um, as much as we'd like to believe the clock resets, it doesn't. Every day is just a continuation of the last. One key thing in this journey is you're going to have to let go and forgive yourself for mistakes. And I love that so much. I mean, Dale, even outside of business and personal, everywhere this quote just means so much because mistakes happen everywhere. Yes. Mistakes are going to happen, but... We have to continue on. Yeah. Yeah. And forgive yourself for that because we're human. We're going to make mistakes. Absolutely. And I think that oftentimes, particularly like I feel women and black women, like we'll utilize that um, as a weapon against ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll just start to like shut down. Yeah. And it's like, man, these men out here failing every day. You right. know, okay, every day, right. every day, and has all the confidence. All and the confidence. Like, we mess up. Being confident in failure. We mess up all the So, how have you seen that particular quote play out in in your life? Yeah, um, I mean, raising capital. You know, going out to raise capital. Um, like this time around, I've learned so much um, about the idea of raising money, uh, and so I'm just like much more stronger Mm -hmm. Um, and I come from more now from a position of power than oftentimes where we can be coming from um, a position of defense, right? Mm -hmm. And so trying to get to the ability to play offense uh, in a space that's very much so a contact sport. Um, And so I definitely had a lot of missteps and failures, not only my first company, with trying to like figure it out. And that's why I want to release so many uh, tools and, and key things that people can utilize is because I had to like figure out a lot of stuff on my own and it's and failure is very expensive mm-hmm. oh <laughs> very so it's so expensive that's a quote you know ain't nothing like the cost of a and, mistake yeah. okay and you started so young and so like for our uh, listeners I mean it doesn't matter what age I, you started at what 22 22, 22 yes. years old wow yes yeah. It's crazy. And so I didn't know what I was mistakes. doing. Right. Of course there's mistakes. There's yeah. so many mistakes to make at 22, but you didn't let that stop you. You yeah. kept going, kept going to now raise all these millions of dollars. Yeah, that's why like, your network is important because like one thing that people always say, um, it's kind of funny because like with, with these memes that kind of go viral sometimes around yeah. me, generally speaking, it goes viral when someone mentions like Kylie Jenner being self-made. Oh, and yes. like, somebody will repost yes. like, with my yep. memes yes. and then it'll go viral. So, you know, shout out to Kylie Jenner because she actually has sent my, um, a lot of my posts viral <laughs> <laughs> because of her Forbes yes. uh, cover. Because uh, this one right here is self-made, <laughs> right? Literally, like, r- really though. Yeah, but it's kind of like one of those things that, but she got to where she was able to get because of her network, her relationships, et cetera. And the, but it's all about levels of that, right? Yeah. Um, because someone has to say yes, right? And so I think that people underestimate that your first contract, your first job, like someone has to say yes. Someone has to say and yes. And so it's about relationships. It's about, you know, coming to the table as your authentic self and being prepared. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like the foundation. Yes. Authentic self. As a black woman, sometimes, do you feel like you have to 
compromise who you are authentically to be able to sit at the table sometimes with the good old boys? How do you balance that? Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So the crazy thing is my friend had like um, checked somebody for me in my absence. So, you know, that was a real friend. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> he's like, you're just mad that Savitra has been able to do herself, to be herself and get to these tables and you can't be. Mm. Oh, that's a real friend right there. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Because I think I've gotten to tables and people expected one thing because of my resume. And they got something else. And they were like, who we let at this table? You got a lot of opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got a... you black, black. Like, yes, yes, you know? yes. And so I think that um, I've actually been, I've appreciated the fact that I have been able to be myself. Mm-hmm. But I also tell people that it's important to get through the door too. Like if people see you charging the door, they're never going to let you in. They're going to shut the door. They're going to lock it up before you even get there. Yeah. But if you can get through the door and then make change happen and then, um, like point out things that aren't right and help other people t- to get on. Like that's my like that's how that's how I work, right? Yes. And so I think there's a balance to it as well. Be a little black before, and then <laughs> hit them whenever you, like, get well, once you get it. Once you get in, once you get Ooh, in, let in. Y'all didn't know y'all let in a militant. This is actually. Y'all didn't know. Tech space, they have positioned themselves as, as more liberal, but mm. in actuality... No. White man be whitened. Right. Yes. right. Like, yes. Y'all still come from a point of privilege okay. and you still don't get it. And then when you think you really not... You know, when you're a liberal, you really don't think you're racist. And you feel like... Swear they not racist. Exactly. But I'm mean? like, come on now. I voted for Barack. Exactly. <laughs> I have black friends. I have black friends. I voted for Barack. Racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the two points. You're still racist, bro. Yeah. You're still yes. being racist. Yeah. So it's like people don't they don't even realize it, right? Because yeah. they live in a, just a world that has essentially afforded them um, the ability to not take, um, not be able to be like in real situations, right? With people who are struggling day to day or people who are disenfranchised. And so it's like, how do you begin to um, reveal some things to people who do have a lot of influence? Because I believe that you have to create your own tables, but I want to be at their, your table too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. Because if you over here with the trillions of dollars, I need to be at your table. I'm gonna go make my table from what I learned from your table. And yes. but I'm gonna still be at your table. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's like it's not, you know, one or the other, it's both. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a loaded and insightful conversation. Yes. I feel and, like I learned so much. Oh, I know. I can't wait to like re-listen and just take notes. Like you yes. are a genius. And we appreciate you carving out time. Thank you. Because um, you did not have to be here. Absolutely. Yes. absolutely. <laughs> I want y'all to know it's 8 a.m. Yes. Like 8 we, a.m. on a Saturday morning. That's what I'm this talking about. Time. This was like on time. She's like, I'm outside. Yes. Yes. And she did this. Thank and make you it so happen. much. Yes. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Our Shines This Moment goes to Savitra Wilson, yes. our lovely guest that we just had. Honestly, I mean, after listening to her speak, you have to feel inspired. Yeah. I mean, she really is a self-made woman. She started her career at 22 years old. She defined the means of her upbringing with no connections, no advancements, no anything. And she made herself into who she is now, which is a 
tech mogul in this industry dominated by white men. And she's a black woman out here doing it, doing it, raising multi-millions of dollars now. She said it's not one, it's not two, it's close to three at right. this point. And wow. what I respect so much about her is the fact that she's on and she wants to put other people on. Because I feel like a lot of times when people get on, it's like, oh, no, I need, like, they try to keep everything to themselves. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, like, if I'm making it, I want you to make it too. And I'm going to try to give you the step-by-step on how you can do it. There's not a lot of people that look like us in that industry, but she's there to help us get to that industry, trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, include diversity in this tech industry. Great indication of what can be done in any industry, you know, so don't be discouraged or feel like, you know what, it hasn't been done yet, so I can't do it or I don't have the blueprint to make something happen. No, get out there and do it. Go for it. Be the first, you know? So shout out to you. Shine, sis. Shine. Shine.